you, Jennifer. Good morning. Well, I invite you to open your hearts to receive the, the word the Lord has for us this morning through the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, in the um, Passion Translation, verses 1 through 14. One day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. He shared with them the illustration. In a certain town, there was a judge, a thick-skinned and godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. And there was a poor widow in that town who kept pleading with the judge, grant me justice and protect me against my oppressor. He ignored her pleas for quite some time, but she kept asking. Eventually, he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I'm tired of listening to her. Even though I'm not a religious man and don't care about the opinions of others, I'll just get her off my back by answering her claims for justice, and I'll rule in her favor. Then she'll leave me alone. The Lord continued, did you hear what the ungodly judge said? That he would answer her persistent request. Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all of his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, just like the widow was with the judge. Yet when the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of persistent faithfulness in his people? Jesus taught this parable to those who were convinced they were morally upright and those who trusted in their own virtue, yet looked down on others with disgust. Once there were two men who went into the temple to pray. One was a proud religious leader, the other a despised tax collector. The religious leader stood apart from the others and prayed, How I thank you, O God, that I'm not wicked like everyone else. They're cheaters, swindlers, and crooks, like that tax collector over there. God, you know that I never cheat or commit adultery. I fast from food twice a week, and I give you a tenth of all I make. The tax collector stood off alone in the corner away from the holy place and covered his face in his hands, feeling that he was unworthy to even look up to God. Beating his breast, he sobbed with brokenness and tears, saying, God, please, in your mercy and because of the blood sacrifice, forgive me, for I am nothing but the most miserable of all sinners. Which one of them left for home that day made right with God? It was the humble tax collector and not the religious leader, for everyone who praises himself will one day be humiliated before all, and everyone who humbles himself will one day be lifted up and honored before all. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Paul. And ask you to keep your Bibles open to uh, Luke chapter 18. If they're not open there, open them now. Somebody left a dark chocolate Milky Way on the platform right up here. That's an answer to prayer. Thank you. I, uh, it's my favorite. So, wow, that's pretty cool. It's, <laughs> no, it's all mine. All right, thank you guys very much. Whoever did that, that was nice. Very sweet, very kind. Um, the back of your bulletin is blank for uh, sermon notes. There's a uh, pen in front of you, so you can go ahead and grab that. And uh, I'm going to give you three things to write down this morning, and we're going to open God's Word uh, together. Our culture has lost an art. Um, 
it's lost the art of persistence. That we would, the, the stick-to-itiveness, that I'm going to do this even when it gets hard. That even when it doesn't make sense, if I, if I know it's right, I know what God wants me to do, that I'm going to be persistent. And when we are persistent, with godly persistence, it almost always turns out good. When we don't give up and we press through, and, and, and sometimes though we live in a microwave culture, and so if it's not happening, we don't feel like pressing, uh, we don't feel like pressing through. But persistence is actually something quite beautiful, and it's something that we see in our stories today, and it's something that has been modeled to us as a, a church by a couple who's been married for 50 years. And so today... We honor Tom and Marilyn Leontios, persistence personified. I'm going to invite them to, to come up, and, and they're just going to uh, share a word. They, they also, just so you know, they bought everybody cake for after church to, to celebrate with them. Um, they have been, for most of those 50 years, they've been here at our church, and so... What an honor and a privilege uh, to have them share just a bit this morning. Um, and so they're going to set the table for persistence. There you go. <laughs> Anything is worth cake, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Um, thank you for your greetings and your applause and your cheering for us. I've been designated as the speaker. I don't know what, what might happen. She's very persistent. I'm afraid to hand the microphone over, but in any case, um, it's really an honor to be honored by you for our 50 years, but we don't begin to take credit for that. We really don't. Um, we came here um, to Christian Life Church as new believers. Um, I started coming in April of 1979. Um, at that time... Um, I won't tell you the whole story. It's a very long story, and we'll save that for another time. But um, uh, when we came here, we had two children, two daughters. And as families do, um, there's occasional drama. There's, you know, the things that happen in life. Um, and this place began to fill all those needs, fill those holes, um, show us the truth, uh, tell us the truth when we needed the truth told um, and f helped us to plug in and be real someplace and um, tell it like it was in our lives and share that and then walk us through through all of that. Um, this morning uh, I was listening to the radio and I heard um, a very appropriate little, I, this person didn't have any idea what they were saying but it spoke to me. Um, God never sends you into a situation alone. We were not sent into our life together alone. God put us in this place to bring us along to make it to 50 years and beyond, however many more years we're blessed and graced to have. But we were put here because this is where we were to grow. Uh, and our family grew and ultimately six children, spouses, and four of the very best fruit of 
a, a long life, and that's grandchildren. Um, so all that being said, this is not about us. We do not celebrate today, and we did not celebrate Friday on our actual anniversary, about us. It really is not. It's about the life we built here in this church, with this congregation, with all of you. Um, uh, I don't know how to express the love that we've felt here in any other way than to love you back. Um, so as we were thinking, actually last night we were thinking about uh, thoughts about this congregation and what you've meant to us, and I know that our story is multiplied across this auditorium and beyond. But as we were thinking about um, how the church has ministered to us and in so many different ways, we jotted a few things down. So uh, since they're jotted down, the non-speaker non of our duo will now take the microphone. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not supposed to deviate from the plan. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say things like, you know, uh, 50 years, I couldn't have done it without her. Uh, but that would be a whole sermon. I'm not talking about the physical her as much as the inner her. But even that being said, let's get back to what we need to do. Um, <laughs> if you have ever opened a door and welcome, invited people to your home, shared a meal, carried chairs or tables, loaded a truck or van, drove a van for a church function, gone to, Kurt, to camp or other trips with kids or youth groups, flipped a pancake, a burger, or a hot dog, made chili or soup, donated money and ate that chili or soup, <laughs> asked, how are you, with real interest and compassion, wrote a note to someone, made a call to encourage someone, mailed a card, changed a diaper, rocked a crying baby, played with a toddler, offered to help and meant it, gave your money, gave of your time, gave your heart, donated clothing or food, folded clothing for the kids' pantry, looked for a need and filled that need, filled in, chipped in, washed dishes, washed cars, washed windows, cut grass, shoveled snow, served in kids' church, helped a kid learn a Bible verse, a song, or glued, a so or glued together something amazing in VBS, made a snack, poured Kool-Aid, helped clean up, been helped by a CLC college student, helped a, co a CLC college student, set up their served communion, wiped up, swept, or organized the kitchen, pulled weeds or flowers, planted flowers for the church, encouraged someone, noticed a struggler, helped a senior, prayed for someone, led a group, joined a group, built a set for a church play, sang or acted in a church play, served on worship team, vacuumed the floor, visited someone who was sick, supported a missionary, supported anyone, baked for the bake sales, bought stuff at that bake sale, prayed for pastor and his family, made coffee, Clean the coffee pots, stuff bulletins, helped decorate for holidays, served at a Christmas tea, cried with someone, laughed with someone, showed up ready to help, or saw a need and filled it. If you did any of these things, 
and so many more, then to quote Pastor Fred, you are Jesus with skin on. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 That's right. Applaud yourselves because this church does those things and so many more and ministers in so many ways. You don't even know. Sometimes we speak a word to someone. You don't have any idea what you're saying, but you are ministering and we are ministers. Um, the pastors over the years that we've been here at this church have been faithful to teach us and draw us and encourage us to minister. They equip us to be those Jesus with skin on people out there in the community and here to each other. So we thank you. We applaud you. We love you. We think you're the best. Um, now, before we finish, and we are almost finished, um, I would like to recognize a couple of groups of people, actually three. First of all, if you have attended Christian Life Church for 20 years or more, uh, and you're able to stand, like we are, barely, <laughs> would you please stand? You people are awesome. Look at you. Look at that. You have persisted. This is awesome. Okay, awesome. You guys are the old timers. You're, oh, no, stay standing. I'm, I'm sorry. The old timers are the ones that are going to have to pay the price and stand the longest. Okay, now, if you have, you're fairly new to the church, say, let's say five years to 20 years, it, and you've started to come to CL, CLC and get involved it, five years ago or longer, please stand. Okay, awesome group of people. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> okay. Now, people who, since in the last five years, in the last five minutes, if you just walked in the door this morning and you had no idea why you were coming here, maybe you heard we have good cold brew or something, I don't know, please stand. You guys are the church, capital C. Mm -hmm. You are awesome. Mm -hmm. You are amazing. God brought you here. You've ministered to our family in ways that we can't even, a list could never fulfill. And we are just, we're not the only ones. There, there are stories here across this congregation. You have ministered and you will continue to. Be strong in what God has called you to. This is an awesome place to be. Pray for our pastors. Pray for our leadership teams across the board. Um, hold the church up in prayer because this is, where, this is where we need to be. This is where it happens. And this is where the kingdom of God starts. This, we're practicing up for the Amen. kingdom. Thanks, guys. You're, you're just the best. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That's really sweet. I, did, I thought they were going to talk about marriage, but that's even better. And uh, as, as they were reading that list, uh, Leslie leaned over and whispered to me and said, I bet they've done everything on that list. And uh, so thank you. You guys mean more uh, than you'll ever know uh, to me and to our church. And 
and happy 50. Uh, wow, it just, it doesn't... <clears throat> there, there's some couples that just doesn't seem possible. You just so much energy and youthful zeal and love, and so that's neat. There, <laughs> kept moving, kept moving. Kid, kids definitely do that, don't they? Luke chapter 18, in our, our final uh, moments together today, uh, Jesus is teaching something about prayer, and I just appreciate what Tom and Marilyn said. And, and, and I believe this teaching from Jesus is so central. And it doesn't matter if you're, uh, you're married 50 years or, or if you're married at all. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. Man, woman, and child, it doesn't matter. This is the central teaching of Jesus. And, and it began in verse 1 when Dr. Allen read the word for us this morning. And it, it was this, that we should always pray and never give up. That's his teaching. When he teaches us about prayer and he gives us these parables, he says, this is what you do. You always pray and you never give up. It's true in marriage. It's true with our family. There's something about persistence, I'm sure, in those 50 years that Tom and Marilyn have been together, there have been difficult times in those 25 years, and it would have been easier just to say, okay, that's it, it's over, or to just give up and maybe exist together, but, but no, it's like, no, we're going to persist in this, we're going to work together, we're going to pray and never give up. So the first thing I'd like you to write down today from Jesus' teaching is this, that the central key to prayer is persistence persistence. You want your prayers answered? Persist. You want to see God move in your life? Don't give up. In the story, we have a ruthless judge who fears neither God nor man, and he is listening to this widow, and he doesn't have to listen to this widow because a widow in that society has no standing in the law. In that culture, in that ancient culture, it was a male dominated society that a woman had no legal rights apart from a man. And so if you didn't have a husband or a son, he didn't have to listen to you. And so he wasn't listening, but, but she kept coming to him and saying, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. And for a long time, he just refuses to listen. But then in verse 4, we read, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets what she needs, justice, because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. In the Greek, it doesn't say driving me crazy. I don't know if you knew that or not, but uh, that's the original language. It actually means causing me trouble, and it is, a, it is kind of a, a saying back then, so it would be like driving me nuts, but... What it actually meant back then is it, it's, it's called like striking the eye or giving someone the bl a black eye or, or beating someone up. So think of like MMA fighting. When they get somebody down, they just start pounding them. This, he, that's what he's saying. She's beating me up. She's wearing me down. She had that lost art of persistence. And Jesus said that if we cry out to him day and night for justice, that God will answer our prayers. Now, I want to press pause just for a second and talk about this parable because parables teach us principles. And sometimes we think of the judge and then we immediately think of God. Like that, 
well, that's God. He doesn't want to do anything for me. And so, okay, God, come on, come on, come on, come on. And like, just finally, he's, all right, just, just be quiet. I'll give you what you want. You know, that's, we think that that's how God is. And, and if you read this passage of Scripture, the, God, the judge there doesn't care about God and doesn't love people. So that's obviously not a picture of who God is. So the story isn't about that. We know from the Bible that God is a good, good father. In fact, Jesus says even in this parable, won't your heavenly father give you even more than you could ask for? I mean, God is a good God. So the central principle in this parable is what we're looking at, and that is persistence. That the key to the power of prayer, the key to getting our prayers answered, to getting results in praying, is just to keep at it. To keep praying, to be persistent. The problem is, is that this is where most of us drop the ball, is we are persistent in our prayer because they're not answered as quickly as we'd like, so we think, uh, God's not listening. Prayer doesn't work. It works for some people, not for, not for me, and I don't even know if prayer works at all. We get all these kind of excuses, but I want to tell you, any excuse you make for prayer, it's not true. Any excuse you give to give up praying, it's not a good excuse, all right? That's really, really important. It, it, the reality is, is it's just easier to give up, right? It's easier to stop believing. I don't want to keep praying. It's too hard. It's too disappointing. But I want to tell you, God answers prayer. And he answers persistent prayer. And sometimes God answers prayers differently than we pray them, and he doesn't answer them on our timeline, and all these different things go on, and, and I want to tell you that sometimes God only answers persistent prayer, and persistent prayer is actually good for us. It's the key to prayer, and so I want to give you three reasons, and I want you to write them down. These are three reasons why we benefit from persistent prayer, and the first one you can write down is that persistent prayer comes or keeps you in God's presence. Persistent prayer keeps you in God's presence. Just like the, the widow standing before the judge every day, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. Persistent prayer keeps you in the presence of God every single day. And there's something God wants more than to answer every prayer you have. The thing that God wants most of all is a relationship with you. God wants you in his presence. God wants you to know him intimately. He wants you to know him as your best friend. God wants you to know him as a constant companion. God wants us to be there because when we're in his presence, he can begin to shape and mold and develop us, and, and we can, he can nurture that relationship with him. So that's why he says, I want you to come into my presence every single day. He taught us how to pray. He taught his disciples how to pray, and so it goes for us today, too, that, that we're to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And he wants us to pray that so that we will come every day asking for our daily bread. A lot of times we ask for tomorrow's bread today, or next week's bread, or next month's, or next year. God, take care of this and this and this and this. And God says, no, come to me with what you need today, because I want you to come back tomorrow. And I want you to come back the next day. And I want you to come back the next day because I want you in my presence. And that's why we need to pray every single day. He wants us in his presence. There's something about coming to him every day that will keep us closer to God. Because when you spend time with God, you're just going to be closer to him. So 
He wants you to pray every single day. In fact, in this passage of Scripture, in verse 6, it says that this widow came night and day. So she came all the time. She kept coming to him. And so you don't have to come to God just every day. You can come to him morning, noon, and night. It says in Psalm 55, 17, Morning, noon, and night I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. God doesn't want to be number one in your life. He wants to be the center of your life. God wants it all. He wants you morning, noon, and night. He wants you every single day. The purpose of prayer isn't just to get God to do things for you. It's to teach you to go into his presence, that he is our source. He is the center of our lives. And so persistent prayer keeps us in God's presence. Number two, persistent prayer helps you define and redefine your requests. It helps you define and redefine your requests. I believe that if there's anything you want, even if you can get it on your own, even if you can make it happen, you should ask God for it. Whatever you want in life, you should ask God for it. Does that mean he's going to give you everything you asked for? No. But I believe we should bring every desire that we have before him first. Because what's going to happen when we get into his presence? When we ask God for something and we continue to ask God for something and we're in his presence, he's going to begin to shape our hearts. He's going to begin to shape our requests. And then what's going to happen is our will will come in line with his will because he's shaping what we're asking for as we ask for it every single day. And a lot of times God answers our prayer differently than we want him to. Because sometimes we pray for things like money. God, we need more money. I want more money. And then God may say, well, why don't you give some of your money away first? But God, I'm praying for more money. Don't you get it? More money, not less money. And, and then he says, well, maybe you should work on your budget. God, I want more money. You know, just he refines our request. God, change my spouse. For heaven's sake, would you change my spouse? And God said, why don't we change you first? Because he might refine that request a little bit. Oh, God, my child. Oh, my child. Maybe God's saying, hey, I'm working on your heart, your love, your patience. I'm giving you my heart for that child. God, I need a new job. I want a new job. God may say, hey, how about you do your best at the job I gave you right now? I got better things maybe down the road, but right now I got you there for a reason and a purpose. Be faithful where you're at right now. See, God can shape our desires as we bring them to him every day. He defines and redefines what we want so that our heart is beating with his heart. And then we're praying what he wants us to pray, and he will give us the desires of our heart. Because look, sometimes what God wants to do is a deeper work inside of us through prayer. And so that's one reason we go to him every single day. God, this is what I desire. This is my heart. And instead of trying to make it happen, we just keep going to him and going to him and going to him. And he is doing a deeper work. The third thing is persistent prayer proves your faith. It proves your faith. 
There's a really interesting um, ending to this parable where Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, he says, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? It's like that's just a really weird way to end this parable of the judge and the widow. And what Jesus is saying is, when I return, will people still be praying? Will people still be believing? Will you be persistent in prayer even when it's maybe not being answered in the timing or the way that you want? Will you still be believing me? Will you still have faith in me? Will you still believe in the promises? Will you pray one more prayer when you said the last one was your last prayer? Will you pray one more prayer? Will you believe for one more day? See, persistent prayers demonstrate our faith. Jesus teaches a lot about prayer in the Gospel of Luke, and he he taught a few chapters earlier in chapter 11 these words about prayer. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, who seeks finds, and who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, if you look at that verse, it's on the screen, you will notice that those are all verbs, ask, seek, and knock. But what we don't see in the English that we see in the original language is that there's this continuance, that you would continue asking, that you would continue seeking, that you would continue knocking, that you wouldn't give up doing those things, but it would be an ongoing verb in your life, that your prayers would be constant, that you'd keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That proves that you have faith. I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about um, my middle son, Matthew. One time, uh, he was at church with me. It was a a day off for the staff. Uh, We take Thursdays off, and so it's kind of locked up that day, and so the church was locked up, and and Matthew must have gone outside, and, and, uh, and, and door locked behind him, and he couldn't get back in. Now, I don't know if you've noticed around our church, there are doors everywhere around our church. There's, it's a pretty big property, and he's knocking on every door, trying to find me. He's looking in windows, and, and uh, you know, just like, just knocking and knocking and knocking, and so he's going around looking in, because I'm not usually, I'm sometimes in my office, or I might go somewhere else and make copies or do something else or another room in the church, so all over. So he's just looking in windows, knocking on doors, going, going, going. And so finally I see him down by the doors by the office, and I'm like, oh, come down and open the door. Hey, Matthew, how long have you been knocking? He goes, about an hour, Dad. <laughs> I'm like, an hour? And this is, this is, I remember his little boy saying, Dad, I knew you were in there. I knew you were in there. Were you worried? No, I knew you were in there. See, that's prayer. That's persistent prayer. I'm going to knock on that door, and that door, and that door, and that door, and that door. I'm going to pray today, and tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. I'm going to knock. Because, Dad, I know you're in there. And I know you're listening. And I know you're good. And I know that you're never late. And that you're always right on time. I know that the word of the Lord for our congregation today is that he gets the last word. No one else gets the last word. You don't get the last word. He gets the last word. God, I know you're in there. That's prayer. That's persistence. That's not giving up. And in a marriage, that's 50 years later. Because we don't give up. And we keep going. And we keep believing. 
I'm out of time, but the last uh, parable was on humility. That there was a saint and there was a sinner. And they both prayed. And one prayed about how good they were, and the sinner said, just have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, whose prayer did God hear? Did he hear the saint or the sinner? And he said he heard the sinner's prayer because God always hears the prayer of the humble. And I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this today because I don't need to because I just preached a couple weeks ago on humility. If you remember the passage from Luke that we talked about where somebody sits really high at a table and they're invited to uh, come down and sit low and the person that's sitting low is invited to sit high and, and Jesus says this is how it works and listen to me, this is Old Testament, New Testament, Gospels, Psalms, Proverbs, it's everywhere. God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And you go back and listen to that message online. It's there. It's free. All the messages are free. But here's the thing is this is the whole point of that sermon was if you're proud, you will be brought down. And if you're humble, you'll be brought up. It's that simple. Proud, you're brought down. Humble, you're brought up. That's the Bible's teaching beginning to end. That's God's heart. And so God says pray with humble persistence every single day. That will bring you into his presence. That will begin to shape your heart, shape your request. That will prove your faith. Dad, I know you're in there. You will know God if you are humbly persistent. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning. God, we thank you for your word. It is so rich. So good. Lord, we want to be persistent. God, I, I thank you for the picture of persistence that we saw up here. I thank you for their heart for your church. And Lord, I thank you for the heart of all of us here that we are not meant to be alone. We are meant to be together. That whether we're here for Five minutes or 50 years, Lord, you've brought our lives and they have intersected for a purpose and for a reason and we will be persistent together. We will persevere together. We will walk humbly together to know our God. And we will not just walk today, but we will walk tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And we will pray, not just today, but the next day and the next day. We will pray, give us today our daily bread. And God, you will give us exactly what we need right at the right time because you're listening to every prayer we pray. And Holy Spirit, if we ever get discouraged, like we want to give up, give us faith for one more prayer, for one more day. We believe that you're going to do it, God. And we commit ourselves to walk with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. It's been good, hasn't it? Today in the house of the Lord. So grateful for our worship team uh, leading us in the presence of the Lord. So grateful for the word of the Lord. So grateful for the testimony. And uh, so grateful for cake in the lobby afterwards. And I don't even like vanilla cake, and that is amazing.